0: If you have your Bibles over this morning, turn, if you will, to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. We're going to begin with the first verse. As you find your way to Matthew 5, stand with me this morning, if you will, out of reverence and respect to the reading of God's holy word. Matthew 5, verse 1, it says, Seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Father, may you bless the reading of your holy word, Father. Speak to all all of our hearts this day, Father, that we might understand your blessings, Father, in a greater way. Father, we thank you for each person here today. Father, I thank you for all the visitors, Father. I thank you for those that reached out this last week, Father, inviting friends to come. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you would truly speak to our hearts, Father. Show us something this morning, Father, that has our name on it something specifically, Father, from you to us. Father, we thank you now for Jesus Christ and pray all these things in his name. Amen. You may be seated. Maybe some of you can relate to this, but in my earlier days as a married person and small children, I had to travel a lot for my job. But I always used to love to pick out little gifts and bring them home for the kids. That was part of the joy of my traveling for me, but bringing it home just to let the kids know that I missed them and I was thinking about them, so bring a little gift to them. And as soon as I walk in the door, they all come, Daddy's home, Daddy's home, Daddy's home. And it was exciting for me to feel. <laughs> they miss me too. And how exciting to see those little munchkins run up to you and grab you and hug you and want to love on you. And so I pull out my little pocket, or my little bag and say, Hey, I brought you something." Really, Daddy? So they take it. Oh, thank you, Daddy. Well, every time I went away, I did this. And so every time they'd come up and run into the door. But eventually... That little change the demeanor when they ran up the door. It wasn't, hey daddy, hey daddy. They come to the door real quick as Dad, what you bring me? What you bring me? And uh, in fact it, it it modulated down the slope a little bit faster. It says, uh, you know, oh, thanks for the gift, Dad. By the by the way, hi. Ultimately, it got so focused on that my kids would say, Dad, when are you going away again? When are you going away again? You know what I was seeing there? My children realized or thought that the gift was more important than the giver. And it kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. I still kept bringing gifts until they were four. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I want you to know, though, what was happening with my kids happens with God's kids, too. You know, we kind of get into this whole gift thing. One of the greatest problems in the church today is people show up at church looking for that blessing. They want God to bless them. They want maybe a better career or a better home or a better car or more money. You know, it's it's known in, in religious circles that that's prosperity gospel. The problem is that those people are looking for all external blessings. They want something outside. They want something beyond what they've already got. Let me be very, very clear that God blesses in His Holy Bible. He tells us from the very beginning in Genesis all the way through Revelation that God desires to bless you and I. And material things are not bad and not wrong, but they don't constitute blessings from God. They're part of it, but they're not in its entirety. You know, we can have a lot of stuff, but not feel blessed. Think about that. How many people you know famous people that have all kinds of money and buy all kinds of things and They have everything money could buy, but they're just not living a blessed life. They don't feel blessed. They have a new car, a new house, more money. Think about Christmas for just a moment. I love Christmas. It's a special time, but we go out and buy that new special gift, especially for our children sometimes. And we we feel like it's just the exact perfect gift and wrap it up. You know, go to all this length, and old dad here has a hard time wrapping it to make it look worthwhile, but... I've learned over the years, but you wrap it in a special bow and tie it on. And Amy, would you help me make a little special bow for this present? What happens to that wrap? Man, it comes off in about two seconds. It just ripped off, thrown in the trash, no value. Why do we wrap gifts? It's a question. But think about this: How many times have we gotten a gift? How many times have our children gotten a gift that's wonderful for a day or two, but all of a sudden it's broken, the parts are missing, or it's put in the closet not seen again? Gifts externally are not blessings in its entirety. Blessings are not solely defined by external stuff. It includes so much more. Maybe you've been there, maybe you know people that have an incredibly beautiful house, but they don't really enjoy going home. How sad that some people are married and God's given a very special mate, but they don't feel like staying with that person any longer. They have all the money or all the stuff in the world, but it just doesn't bring satisfaction. I want to clarify truly being blessed here this morning. God does it. The scripture we just read. Probably the, it is, without a doubt, the greatest sermon ever written. It's a masterpiece. It's phenomenal. But listen, it's a complete change in paradigm for what people have been living, what people live today. Jesus Christ saying, you need to understand true blessings. And it's not what you expect in this world. How many times do we look at people who have all this money and think, man, are they blessed? I wish I was blessed like that. Well... Many times they're not that blessed. Look at verse 1 again, chapter 5. It says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, and when he was seated. That's significant. I don't want you to miss anything about the scripture this morning. Jesus Christ was seated there. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? It means that he was sitting in the seat of authority. Anywhere Jesus Christ walked, anywhere he stood, anywhere he sat, he was authority. Just to give you kind of a parallel, maybe you can write to how about when you hear this message is coming from the White House? Well, we realize that's the seat of authority in America today. There must be an important message coming out because the president or somebody is speaking from the Oval Office in the White House. Jesus Christ was speaking that day on that mountain from a seat of authority. Tell us what? Tell us the truth. Tell us, listen very carefully telling us things that can change our life, that we can realize that based on this Bible, based on God's holy word, the words that Jesus Christ personally spoke, we can have a blessed life. It doesn't have to be a life that's defeated or depressed or discouraged. It can be a life that's filled with victory. A blessed life. Even in the midst of all the storms, Jesus Christ saying, you can have a blessed life. The Beatitudes here, there's eight of them. It's Jesus Christ says blessed nine times. Well, one of blessings is the last one. He uses the blessed word twice. He double doses on that blessing. But the word blessed in the scripture we just read is used nine times. I want you to realize that Jesus Christ is telling us, if you're a follower of me, I'm going to let you see kingdom living. I'm going to let you see what it looks like to live in heaven here on earth. I want to show you blessings, what they really are here. He begins at verse 3 there. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Then he brackets it. Then verse 10, the last one there, he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. On both ends of the Beatitudes, kingdom, kingdom. He's saying if you listen to these things, you can live the kingdom of heaven here on this earth. Jesus outlined these blessings here too, all eight of them. You know what he tells us and how he tells us? He says, this is your responsibility, and now I'm going to show you how I'm going to bless you. This is your responsibility And now I'm going to show you how I can bless you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. If you walk in hunger, if you're hungry and thirsty for God's righteousness and for His word, you know what? He's going to fill you up. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If you keep a pure heart, if you live a pure life, if you believe that purity is important in your life, you know what you're going to see? See God. He tells them, "This is your responsibility, and this is what I have for you. This is how I'm going to bless you." God had an incredible plan for us. Well, what does it really mean, Pastor, to be blessed? Glad you asked. Being blessed, blessed from God's perspective is He's going to give you a state of well being. Do you hear that? God wants to give you and I a state of well being. As followers of Christ, God's telling us that we can enjoy and we can extend the goodness of God in our lives. We can enjoy and extend the goodness of God in our lives. That's what being blessed is, it's a state. Listen very carefully. It's a way of living. It's not an event. Not some event happens here and all of a sudden I'm a blessed person forever. No, it's a state of living. I'm living in a incredible state because of God. The Bible tells us in John 7, verse 37, 38. He says, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. When you're living in that state... When you're living and receiving and extending the goodness of God in your life, you know what happens? It's like a river flowing through you. God is flowing through you with His goodness. God's you flowing through you with blessings. May or may not have anything to do with material things, but it has everything to do with the inside and how I live. I don't want you to miss this thought this morning. If you were to look up the word blessing in the Greek, it comes from a word called makaros. M-A-K-A-I, I'm sorry, M-A-K-A-R-I-O-S. That's worth writing down maybe if you're taking notes. M a k a r i o s, M a k a r r i o s. Say that fast 18 times. It's an island off the nation of Greece. It's a Greek island. Well, how does that relate? What is that? Why does that mean blessings? This island was very unique because it was self-contained the people that lived on that island did not need one thing from anywhere else. They could live on that island and never go off it and have every single thing they ever needed. You know what this means? They had everything they needed to enjoy life. They didn't have to go anywhere else for anything else. When we think about the whole biblical aspect of that island thing, Makaros, it means that God has given us every single thing we need. We don't need to go anywhere else for anything. We can have joy of our salvation. We can have joy abundantly. We can have peace. We can have comfort. We can have power. We don't need to go anywhere else for any of that stuff. We can have prosperity of soul because of what God has given us. God has placed that island inside you and I. God has given us this incredible blessing. I want you to hear this this morning. One way that every one of us can know that we're not blessed, one way that every one of us can know that we're not blessed, we have to keep leaving the island to get blessed. God's already given it to us. We can know that we're not blessed because what? I keep tiptoeing off or getting a rowboat or getting a little sailboat and leaving the island to go find some blessing I think I need. God has already given us all the blessings we need. God has given us this island. You say, "Well, how can an island be my sufficiency?" Once again, show pastors here. Thankfully, ask the scriptures. In 1 Timothy 6.15, says that Jesus Christ is the blessed. God is the blessed. Just like Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, the life, Jesus Christ also said, I'm the blessed. That's his nature. Listen very carefully. God and Jesus never have a bad day. God and Jesus never have a want for anything. God and Jesus are living in a state of completeness. And so when you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, you know what happens? They come and live in you, and you have that state of blessedness in you. You don't need anything else. God is all I need. Everything I need comes from God through His Son, Jesus Christ. He actually leaves a person in us, the Holy Spirit. We have somebody living on that island inside us. Get this straight this morning. I want us all to get this straight this morning. If you're running around looking for those blessings out there every day in your life, I keep looking for this or hoping for this or wanting this, man, I wish I could get this, I wish I could get that, because i feel really blessed. Listen, you're looking in the wrong place. Because those things aren't going to fill you up. They're just like that Christmas gift and that Christmas wrap. They just look like those presents. You know, we can look at the little gifts here, the little nice things, and those are nice. And God definitely blessed us with those things. But God has something so much more. So we're looking down here for blessing. I want to live in a blessed state. I want to, I want to feel complete. I want to have a, a fulfillment in my life and my soul because of you know. I just want to feel good. Well, if you keep looking this way, you're never going to be there all the way. You can get something. You can buy the nicest yacht in the world. You know what? The excitement about that yacht is going to wear off. Live in the nicest home, the excitement there is going to run off. You're looking in the wrong direction when you look for things. You're already on an island. You're already there. We're looking out there when all we need is right in here. God's already put it there. I have this incredible life. Remember what Paul said? He said this in Timothy as well. He said, I've learned to be content in all things. Paul learned to be content in all things. He goes on and said, whatever state I'm in. You no... Know, If Paul had money, that's great. If he didn't, that's great. If Paul had a place to sleep, that was great. If he didn't, that was great. If Paul was suffering, that's great. If he wasn't suffering, that's great. Paul said, I have learned to be content in all things. Listen very carefully. The apostle Paul was living on the island. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. There's no such thing as a good gift that doesn't come from God. We may look at a new house, a new car. That's a good gift. That's that's not a good gift. That's a thing. A good gift is what God gives us. Think about this for just a moment. There's all kinds of things in this world that we can get and have. But only God can give us the things that are most important. God gives us our health. You know, doctors can help out along the way, but God ultimately gives us our breath. God's the one that gives us a happy home. God's the one that gives us fulfillment and purpose. God's the one that gives us an opportunity to love and be loved. All these things come from, from God. I'm going somewhere for a second here, and I want you to turn with me very quickly. Flip back to James chapter 1, verse 17. James 1, 17. And I want you to see this I'm going to explain the island a little bit better here. James chapter 1, verse 17. I love hearing those pages, Russell. It says, every good and perfect gift, James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. You know, I think we all understand this from our, all the way back from when we are in elementary school, but the earth rotates, okay? And we have 12 hours of light and we have about 12 hours of darkness and the little fractions in between there. There's part of our day that's dark. And there's part of our days that are light. You gotta know, kinda of wonder, why is that? What's happening out there? And I think we all remember too from science class, and I'm interested. The sun is stationary, okay? The earth is the one that's rotating. So earth is turning. Listen very carefully. When it's dark in our life, you know what happens? We've turned our back on the sun. Why? The sun's on the other side of the earth. We've turned our back on the sun. So it's dark here. And then we keep turning and come around to light. The scripture here, and I love this, says, Every good and perfect gift comes down from God, the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadowing. When we're living with defeat, when we're living with depression, when we're living destroyed lives, when we're living a hopeless life, you know what? We've turned our back on the sun. God never turns. It says here, With whom? Talking about God, there's no variation or shadow of turning. God doesn't turn. His light is always there, just like the sunlight. It's you and I that turn. So when I'm out there not walking where I need to be walking, when I'm out there looking for my blessing someplace somebody else, you know what I've done? I've turned my back on God. I've turned my back on the sun. I'm not seeing God's sunlight in my life because why? Because I'm looking in the wrong direction. I've turned my back on God. I'm going over here chasing this stuff in the world. God has this incredible life for you and I. A blessing is a state of well-being. Kingdom followers of Christ are both enjoy and extend the goodness of God. There's no turning with God. Think about this. Makaros, that Greek island, may have a rainy day. May endure a horrendous storm, a tropical storm. May have all kinds of things happening. Earthquakes, possibly. But you know what? It's still a blessed state. It's still safe contained. They still have everything they need there. Just like you and I. When we fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, when we continue looking at the sun, you know what? We're going to have this blessed life. As a pastor, it's so sad that I see people that have grown to an older age, 50, 60, 70 years old. And they've missed this thought. They wonder sometimes, hey, how is it that, you know, I've lived all these years and I just never felt complete, never felt the purpose of my life, never felt like, you know, where are the blessings at? You know, I thought by this time in my life, I've seen men have midlife crises. Why? Because they realize, man, I've spent 50, 60 years on this earth. I might have 20, 30, maybe 40 if I'm really lucky. So this earth, but I'm nowhere near where I thought I'd be at this time. So they go into a state of oppression. They change all kinds of things. Still looking for the blessings. When the blessings are here the whole time, all they need to do is ask Jesus for it and realize I can have these blessings. You know, I mentioned a minute ago in the definition, though, that we're both to enjoy and extend the goodness of God. Watch this. You're not going to like it very much, probably. But it's not enough to just enjoy. You need to extend the blessings of God. God never, listen very carefully, God never blesses you and I for us to simply keep it for ourselves. It never does. God blesses us to do what? To pass it on, to extend it. He wants us to enjoy it. Man, God, thank you for this. Let me share it with somebody else. Let me share with you how our marriage is so successful, our marriage is so happy. Let me share with you how I seem to be just have a Joy in my step every day in life. Let me share these things with somebody else. That's what God wants us to be about. God's given me these blessings and now I want to share them with people. One of the problems today, and you see it, I see it, see it in our church sometimes. Many people go to church looking for the blessing. They never really get around to wondering or asking, how can I share this blessing with somebody else? I want the blessing. God, will you bless me? But I want to be used of you. The enemy out there, Satan himself wants you to come in and worship, wants you to come in the church and enjoy the blessings and be blessed. But you know, he also doesn't want you to pass those on because he realizes that diminishes his kingdom out there on the earth. The enemy's kingdom. The quickest way to cut your blessings off, I'll Wonder that for a second, What's the quickest way to cut your blessings off? To not give them away. God wants to fill me up, but once I'm filled, there's no more room. God wants to bless me so I can pass it on, so there's more room for more. He wants to be faithful in the little things so he can make me faithful with the bigger things. Bless me with bigger things. God never blesses us simply for ourselves. The moment that you think that, you short-circuit the blessings. God has a blessing for all of us. You know, I've also noticed, unfortunately, many times the people that are quickest to want a blessing are the slowest to give them. I'm going to confess a sin to you. I imagine I'm probably talking to a lot of you that have the same sin. But have you ever been in line in a long string of traffic and you want to change lanes? So you kind of look at the person beside you. person drives by you. Okay. Next person. Drives by you. It goes on and on, and, you know, you sit there and start getting a bad attitude. What are you doing? You're looking for a blessing, right? You're wanting somebody to stop. And Isn't it nice when the person comes up, a nice, sweet lady or gentleman says, Okay, you can go in front of me. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate the Nice blessing. And we love it when people bless us like that. Well, here's where the sin comes in. You don't need to confess it or raise your hand, but just think about this. How about when you're in kind of a hurry and someone wants to get in front of you? Uh Uh-oh. Somebody's asking you for a blessing, right? How do I handle that? Mm. I've been waiting a long time. i got to get there quick. Mm. I told you we'd probably all have to confess our sin this morning. That's when somebody else is asking us for a blessing. That's passing it on. I want somebody to give me that blessing, but I don't really care about giving them. I don't know if you all know this. Many of you do, but I need to pop back there sometime. We have an incredible food bank behind this church. Every Sunday, there's dozens, if not a 100 people back there, representing a 100 people for families and things. And we supply them food almost enough for a week, or at least partially for a week. And uh, it's a blessing. Can you imagine, though, if we gathered all that food and we got folks, precious folks in our church that go around the grocery stores and pick up, use canned food and all kinds of things and bring it in here and they gather it all week long so they can distribute it, and there's a number of folks that work back there on Sundays and Saturdays getting ready. Can you imagine, though, if we gathered all that food we decided we're going to use it for ourselves? You know? I, I, could, help, I could help myself out a little bit not, by not spending as much money at the grocery store, so I'm going to take it home for myself. wouldn't be much of a food bank. Those folks, our church, does that back there to help people. People desire to serve and be a blessing to other people by gathering this food and giving it out and to see the joy in some of their faces back there, and the the gratitude they have. God desires for you and I to extend the blessings He's given us. I want you to know this, and I think you already know it. When God is happy with you, you know what? You're happy with you too. When I believe I'm living in the center of God's will, when I believe I'm doing something for God, you know what? I feel His praise through my spirit. The Holy Spirit kind of gives me a sense of joy for doing these things. When we're living in misery, though, you know what we're doing? We're looking for those blessings on the exterior as opposed to the interior. We're not living on that island. When we look for blessings of life from the outside, it's like going to the Virginia State Fair and getting one of those big cotton candies. You know, it's sweet, but it's gone in just a matter of minutes. It's gone. When we're looking on the exterior for blessings, it's like going to a cemetery and looking for life. You're not going to find life in a cemetery. There's no life found there. If true blessings refer only to stuff, you know who the most blessed person in the world would be? Satan. Think about that for a second. Satan. Remember when Jesus Christ was beginning his ministry and went into the wilderness, fasted for 40 days and prayed, and then he was tempted three times over the devil? The third temptation says in... Matthew 4 verse 8. He says, Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kings of the world and all their glory. And he said to Jesus, All these things I will give to you if you'll fall down and worship me. Satan has it all. Everything on this earth. He has everything. God gave him the earth. We're living in enemy territory. If blessings really refer to external things only, then Satan would be the most blessed person in the world. Unfortunately, many times we feel that our happiness and our blessedness depends upon what happens. If you were to go home today, God forbid, you went home and found your house had burned down. Oh my gosh, it's horrible. Or if you went home and there was a message on your answering machine, and the answering machine said, hey, your Uncle Rich just passed away. He left you $10 million. Hallelujah, I am blessed. Not really. Those are bad things and nice things that happen. But God's blessings are so far beyond those things. Unfortunately, though, many times it affects us, that's human. That's human life. I want you to understand, though, that it's a it's a state that we need to live in. We've been placed on that life island. It's a state of well being. You know, some of you might have situations like me up and down that diet scale. Lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, gain weight. You know, it's up and down. And I know, for a matter of fact, that to really, truly live a healthy life, you need to change your lifestyle. If you truly want to be blessed, you need to change your lifestyle. I'm no longer wanting to go up and down. I want to live a lifestyle that's pleasing to God, but also I want to be blessed by God. Who can bless it greater than God? I'll tell you a story about Mr. Yates that lives in Texas, lived in Texas. He was... Three weeks away from having his farm that he'd owned his whole life. He was a very old man, about seven years old. He was about three weeks away from having his house foreclosed. Knock came to the door one day, right before he was getting ready to foreclose his house and lose everything. The man said, hey, I'm from this oil company. Can I drill some oil on your property? Mr. Yates said, well, what do I have to lose? Go for it. Well, they went out there, you know the story, went out there and drilled for oil and struck oil. We're talking 82,000 barrels a day, 12.1 million dollars a month. The guy was rich. Rich. Let me ask you a question this morning. When did Mr. Yates become a millionaire? Did he become a millionaire when that man went out back and shook oil? Did he become a millionaire when he bought that property? Think about it. Mr. Yates became a millionaire the day he bought that property. You know what? You became a millionaire the day you received Jesus Christ. Mr. Yates did not know he was a millionaire because he didn't take the time to investigate, didn't time to figure it out. He didn't know what he had in his riches in Christ. He didn't know what he had when he became that Christian. He went his whole life. His whole life. And didn't realize that he was sitting on an incredible treasure. It's sad that there's a lot of people that become Christians. A lot of people that know Jesus Christ and have made that profession, but they don't realize truly the inheritance they have in Jesus Christ. They don't realize that, man, there's something out here in Jesus Christ and I want it. Let me tell you how it starts. It starts in confession, saying, God, I confess to you I was a sinner. I confess that I wanted you. I believe that you died and rose on the third day and live in heaven today, but I want something more. I want something more. God, show me. And he's going to say, well... Start studying who I am. Get to know me a little bit here. Begin talking to me more. Come to understand the riches I have for you. I have all these things for you. Mr. Yates was living in depression because he didn't know what he was sitting on. There's too many people that follow Jesus Christ that are living in depression as well because they do not know what they have in Jesus Christ. When you you accepted Jesus Christ, he took up residence in your life. He planted an island inside you. So what's going on in the outside? All the circumstances we have to deal with don't matter. They're hard to get through. But they cannot diminish what's going on inside you. I have a joy inside me that's not gonna be diminished. I've talked to several of our seniors these last two weeks here. They're going through some hard time, and you know what they've told me? Man, I've just filled up with God when I was talking to them, and my, my faith was grown. I was just rejoicing inside with joy. Because what they said, well, I know God's got control, so I'm going to walk through this. I understand this is serious, but you know, God's in control. I'm trusting God. Incredibly hard situations, you know what they're saying? With joy. God's in control, God's in control, God's in control. The question for you and I are you living on the island today? The joy I have, the enemy cannot take away. He didn't give it to me and He can't take it away. The happiness I have, He can't take it away. The enemy didn't give it to me and He can't take it away. The peace that I have inside, He can't take it away. Why? Because He didn't give it to me and He can't take it away. The love that I have, the love that's grown inside Him is my relationship, the love we have for our kids. The enemy cannot take it away. Why? Because He didn't give it to me and He can't take it away. God has given us an island. He said it's self-contained. You have everything you need with me. Why would you look outside there? Why would you let bad things out there depress you or discourage you or send you into fear? Because I've already given you victory. I've already given you success. God has already given you your own island, those of you that accepted Jesus Christ. He's given you a blessed island. You have inside your soul this morning the riches of Christ. You have an incredibly blessed life that God desires to prosper and grow. I want to ask you right now, if you would, to bow your heads. Close your eyes. Every eye closed, every head bowed. I believe with all my heart this morning because of the Holy Spirit that there's somebody in this room this morning that needs something from God. Something's missing in your life. Maybe you don't really understand this island thing because you have not experienced it through Jesus Christ yet. Jesus Christ died upon that cross. He gave himself, he suffered an incredibly brutal beating, a brutal, torturous death. Died upon that cross. The enemy thought he had been victorious. He'd been trying to kill Jesus throughout all eternity. He thought he finally succeeded, killing Jesus. Well, they buried him in that borrowed tomb, but on the third day the grave could not hold the king. Jesus Christ rose victoriously. And we accept Jesus Christ just like we saw the precious couple that got baptized today. Just like Jesus Christ rose from the grave, we are given, the Bible tells us, a brand new life. We're raised in newness of life, just like Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means that we have access to God's Resurrection power. Jesus Christ died for you and I. I'm going to pray for us right now. We're just going to have an invitation here in just a moment, but I want you to take this seriously today. And today may be the day that changes the course of your life. Today may be the day that God says, I got something so much better for you. I have an island for you to live on. I desire to provide everything you'll ever need, every answer to every question. Everything that you'll ever need. My grace is sufficient, Jesus Christ says.